0: Black and white and brown and Asian and short and tall and gay and straight. Oh, I did not see that coming! I didn't! It was coming from a mile away, but I just didn't believe it. This is no Al Franken incident. When the AG's report came out, it was pretty fucking cut and dry. And yet I didn't think he'd do it. The great sadness of this, beyond the fact that our use of his black and white, gay and straight clip losing relevance over time, is, well, nothing. As a New Yorker, I saw him drag his feet on progressive issues that we should have been on the leading edge of, watched him try to dismantle and destroy the careers of people I know and love, and saw him bully New York City into a corner over his personal grievances with arguably the world's worst mayor, but still, and as we now know, his sociopathic tendencies extended into abuse of privilege and sexual encounters. Quick hello to Original Unfucker JLR, Todd L, Pitchfork Nick, Matt R, Lara E, Callie H, Wendy T, Derek R, John Kane, Natalie R's mom, hey mom, Elon Musk, just kidding, Damian M, Obese Andy, Jody B, Anna F, and a crazy amount, I mean seriously, a crazy amount of new subfuckers who joined us these past couple of weeks at unftr.substack.com. Believe it or not, you're helping us move up the charts on the Substack Politics free feed, so we'll see you unfuckers in show notes. I have another mea culpa, this one being more real. In the past episode, I explained why we only distribute our native roasted coffee through the US Postal Service. I believe the Postal Service to be one of the most important institutions in the United States and I was angry at how workers were abused and maligned during the Trump years especially. The truth is, the Postal Service has far too long been on the receiving end of budget cuts and harassment even before Trump. But the vitriol with which he went after the institution was particularly offensive. And so when we set up our operation, I insisted that only the working men and women of the United States Postal Service would carry our product from warehouse to consumer. And then I went a step further last week and added, UPS and FedEx can go fuck themselves in an off-the-cuff commentary and show notes. I'd like to read a response that means a lot to me on several levels. It's from an unfucker named Cedric H. Hey, Max. Just wanted to respond to a comment you made. It was in regard to not shipping with UPS or FedEx because, quote, fuck them. I want to support the unionized post office, end quote. That's my quote. I happen to work for UPS, and we are, in fact, a union company. We're Teamsters. I just wanted to let you know that as a driver, we're some of the highest paid blue-collar guys out there, and our pension, 401k, matching, and insurance are outstanding. I'm only chiming in not to cheerlead for my company, but to say that I have a large group of friends whose mortgages, second homes, private schools, and hobbies have all been made possible from a solid middle-class, dirty, sweaty, hard job. All this to say, if it is ever more efficient or cheaper, don't hesitate to use my company. Myself and so many other UPS Teamsters earn solid livings, we're lifers, and invest back into a company that has invested into us due to collective bargaining. Thanks and love to the podcast. Fuck Milton Friedman. So here's why I love this. First off, we do indeed support union workers. Second, I appreciate the love with which Cedric delivered his message because my comments certainly didn't deserve that. Third, he ended with fuck Milton Friedman. And finally, because he's right. So fuck me for making such an ill-informed, off-the-cuff remark. To Cedric and his union brothers and sisters, you have my unfettered apology. No other commentary required other than, I'm sorry. You take it back. I do, I offer a complete and utter retraction. The imputation was totally without basis in fact and was in no way fair comment and was motivated purely by malice. And I deeply regret any distress that my comments may have caused you or your family. And I hereby undertake not to repeat any such slander at any time in the future. Now on to today's mess. We're coming off some really big episodes. There was the oh Canada episode, and last week we explored the economics of racism in the United States. Before that, a retrospective of Occupy Wall Street, and a deep dive into modern monetary theory. I know for a fact, based on the numbers, that we've welcomed a ton of new unfuckers, unknuckers, and our Murdoch episode actually brought a surprising number of down underfuckers into the fold. So as a refresher, the reason we do these quickies is to introduce some current events into the feed, but in a fun way that relies on themes of three. Sometimes it's three people, other times it's three issues. This week, it's three examples demonstrating how the more things change, the more they stay the same. When the world is a mean and nasty little place, finding the truth can be a little tricky. Don't go punch yourself in the face, just listen to it on Punky Quickie. Hello, my name is Max, Maxwell Gump. Jesus, Max, what are you doing? I like your shoes. They look like comfortable shoes. I bet you go lots of places in them. Just from my desk to the studio. Come on, we're on deadline. Would you like a chocolate? I could eat a million of these. Mama always said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know which politician took a shit in a box and tried to pass it off as chocolate. That's not how it- Anyway, I've been thinking. You know how we got ourselves a new president and Democrats took over the United States Congress? Now, I'm not a smart man, but it seems to me that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like Mama always said power is as power does. Going out on a limb that most unfuckers consume information from places other than mainstream cable news channels. I'm making this broad assumption because you've told me as much, and it's unlikely you would tune into shows like UNFTR, Pitchfork Economics, Canada Land, or Best of the Left if you didn't possess the ability to think critically and smell bullshit from a mile away. So based on this assumption, I want to play a couple of clips to contextualize the first issue of our quickie today, and that is immigration. Warning, these clips are from Fox News and might be disturbing for some of our listeners. Excessive exposure to this information has been linked to permanent brain damage. Listener discretion is advised. We'll give fucker the first word. We provide a massive incentive to people for people to come here by providing the most generous welfare benefits in the world to the people who come illegally, and two by opening the borders and summoning them. So to whip around and blame climate change or the government of Honduras or corruption as if we can as if we can fix that. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine the hubris required to say, okay. All we need to do is change 300 years of custom in a country whose language we don't speak and we'll have it fixed. I mean, like you truly are a moron if you say something like that. I mean, honestly, no, it's our fault. It's our welfare benefits and our open border. It's that some five illegal immigrants who were all wearing camouflage and were actively evading them. Uh, they had binoculars and had knives on them that they had stolen from a nearby ranch house. So that kind of goes to show you there's this criminal element as well. It's not all these family units just being willing to turn themselves in. There are criminals mixed in and people who are actively trying to get away from border patrol and back out on our drone over Ansel Lewis Bridge. Again, the Biden administration, according to the Washington Post, set to start uh, offering COVID-19 vaccines to migrants here at the border. The question is, they're offering those vaccines. They're not mandating them. It's up to the migrants if they want to take them. An ICE official recently told Fox News that 30 percent of the migrants in their custody were refusing the COVID-19 vaccine when they offered it. So we'll have to see how that plays out. It is absolutely heartbreaking and despicable what the Biden administration is doing. And we were talking about these numbers. You were just talking about numbers. Two million. Two million is the number of estimated people that will cross just this year across our southern border. Hey, you still with me on fuckers? Everyone okay? The point of this exercise is not to fearmonger or rile you up. That's their job. But it does set up another episode in the pipeline on immigration where we'll examine the true statistics, the positive and negative side of immigration how larger trends like birth rate should color our perspective, and the meaning behind the term net migration, which is probably the most important economic term. Now the point of playing these clips is to unravel the big media game being played with willing participants from political elites feigning either horror or humanity, but hoping you just look away from the facts. Fox, for example, is piling on the classic narratives of immigration. Dangerous cartels crossing freely, non-asylum seeking opportunists who want our welfare and our jobs, coronavirus spreading as a result of immigrants rather than vaccine hesitancy or failure to adhere to public health policy. See, Fox is the loyal opposition. It's not a news channel. So it's their job to stoke fear in the masses and paint Biden out as an irresponsible, open-border, come-one-come-all, bleeding-heart liberal. And that's where I want to pause in today's quickie. You see, for Biden, this narrative actually works out pretty well. And obviously it works out well for the right. In the middle, you have the bulk of us who live either wholly unaffected by what happens at the border, or the people on the border who absolutely contend with migrants crossing on their land, or might have some of their land even claimed by the government to build a wall. The courts who have been dealt a shitty hand, and the, um, hmm, 99, am I missing anyone? Uh, the migrants? (laughs) Right, the migrants themselves, actual fucking human beings. So we're going to ignore the blatant racism and ethnocentrism, the dehumanizing language used to talk about people coming into the country, or how the same network that says vaccines are a choice and masks are a violation of civil liberties, then criticizes the government for offering not mandating vaccines at border crossings when we have the supply and the self-interest in doing so. Ignore all of the inconsistencies and hyperbole, and turn your attention back to Biden for a moment. Biden has denied permanent residency to thousands of legal residents, He let visas expire. He recently announced that the U.S. is going to ramp up a policy of expedited removal to send back migrants crossing illegally without hearings. He's upholding a discriminatory Trump-era policy to prioritize high-wage immigrants over people like students. And he's allowing Title 42 to stand, which allows us to automatically expel anyone seeking asylum under emergency pandemic authority. To be clear, I'm not trying to persuade you one way or the other here. It's just one more example of Democrats and Republicans being two sides of the same coin. Power is as power does. Hello, my name is Max. Max Gump. Oh, now we're doing this? All right. Way to pound this joke into the ground. Would you like a chocolate? My mama always says that... Just do the fucking bit. Okay, you're not as nice as the other lady. Anyway, you know how we's always at war and the new president said he'd do things different? And how Democrats are in charge of the money now? Turns out, not a whole lot has changed even though all the new people took over. Let's talk about the recent infrastructure bill and the proposed $3.5 trillion blueprint that Bernie just put forward. So we're about to spend a shit-ton of money on a shit-ton of things according to everyone. There are two simultaneous obsessions in all of the coverage. One, what's in the spending bill, and two, how are we going to pay for it? Democrats are ahead on the messaging in terms of covering the costs and the increased appropriations because they're required to put forward offsets. But they've readily admitted that we'll continue to run trillion dollar deficits even with their theoretical offsets over the next decade. Of course, as we covered in the MMT episode, as a sovereign currency issuer, we can afford it and have plenty of deficit financing to go without creating an inflationary environment or running out of money, which is not a thing. And so long as the increased spending goes towards items with no supply ceiling to create inflationary demand pressure, then there's no reason to assume that this will have an impact on inflation one way or another. If you're new here, just check out our MMT episode. The other obsession, of course, is that the gloves are off. The wallet is open and the U.S. is open for business, baby. And with Bernie in charge of the budget proposals, I bet it's going to be juicy. Let's start with the procedure and make sure we're all talking about the same spending bills. The first bill is the infrastructure bill, HR 3684, coming in at a cool 1.2 trillion, going towards highways, bridges, electric vehicle infrastructure, carbon reduction programs, and other items that represent mm, about a quarter of the 4.5 trillion that is theoretically needed to shore up our physical infrastructure as we've also covered. But this ain't the big one. The big one is on its way, and everyone seems pretty pumped up about the $3.5 trillion figure that is being bandied about. Now, there's a long way to go before we get to the actual legislation. For example, Senator Kirsten Sinema, who's one of the co-authors of the current bill, has already signaled that she's not in favor of doing much beyond what's in her bill. Same goes for Manchin. So off the bat, there's dissent in the ranks. Nevertheless, Bernie seems poised, as of this recording, to take the first critical step by establishing a blueprint for the bill. The blueprint, so we're clear, sets a theoretical limit for spending and shows where the increases will be. So when the dems talk about 3.5 trillion dollars over the next 10 years though most of it is upfront, they're talking about additional funds beyond what was previously contemplated in the country's out-year projections so fine they're setting the stage and generally emphasis on generally laying out where the budget will land over the next decade after this they actually have to come up with the legislation that specifically allocates funding for next year's budget so the fighting over federal dollars has only just begun And because it will be a spending bill, the Senate will be able to avoid the filibuster and presumably move the legislation through without Republicans. Though, as I said, it's unclear what the conservative wing of the Democrats will do to hold things up. So what's in this fucking thing anyway? All we hear is 3.5 trillion for healthcare to battle climate change and harden our infrastructure. Biggest deal for the people since Johnson's Great Society, blah, 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 blah. So add it all together, you know what? In my view, this is probably yeah. the most consequential piece of legislation since the 1930s. Oh, shit. Sorry, Bernie. Since the New Deal? You know I love my man Bernie, so I'm confident when all is said and done, this will be a great deal for the country, for the world, for the planet. It's just one thing I want to check. Hang on a second. Sorry, everyone. I'm just looking at the budget blueprint resolution. Let's see. Federal revenues by year, expenditures, new budget authority, public debt levels. Oh, here it is. National defense. Let's see. Congress determines and declares that the appropriate levels of new budget authority and outlays for fiscal years 2022 through 2031 for each major functional category are one national defense, Fiscal year 2022, $765 billion, $704 million. Fiscal year 2023, $782 billion, $245 2024, $799 billion. 2025, $817 billion. $835 billion, $843, $852, 861 870 2031, $880 Huh. Wait, I am so confused. 99, didn't we just pull out of Afghanistan? Yup. And Manny, didn't we officially end the war in Iraq? I believe in fact we did. And didn't Biden promise to end the Bush-Obama-Trump-era policy of drone strikes against countries that we're not at war with? I'm sorry, you are talking to one of us? No, I was just setting up the next segment. And from that day on, I was running. Bro, listen, you don't stop this Maxwell Gump shit. You're going to be running from me. Let's go. You may recall that President Bush left a rather remarkable gift for incoming President Barack Obama. A fully formed and functional drone program complete with a congressional authorization to use them anywhere in the world against anyone we wanted at any time without permission. It was a golden fucking ticket. Obama used it, Trump used it, and even though it's taken him a while and he promised not to cash it in, good old Tony Blinken reminded Uncle Joe that he too has the golden ticket. Cause I've got a golden ticket. In fairness, Uncle Joe has used his far more sparingly than his predecessors. In fact, the absence of these illegal, unconstitutional and extrajudicial drone strikes that have murdered thousands of civilians over the past two decades and a couple of American citizens abroad as well, was kind of a welcome change. And for a minute, it looked like the Biden administration would be committed to following international norms and law. The United States has carried out an airstrike in Somalia targeting Al-Shabaab militants. This is the first strike in the country since U.S. President Joe Biden took office. By the way, try and find a clip of the U.S. broadcast media talking about this. Somali-born representative Elon Omar immediately challenged the Biden administration to demonstrate what authority it was acting under. According to our sources, Representative Omar is allegedly holding her breath awaiting a response. The media that did cover news of the strike did so in a matter-of-fact and uncritical manner. U.S. bombs a terrorist organization in some country, signaling its intent to remain engaged in the war on terror, yada, yada. First, let me say that one of the things that I was truly pleased to see was Biden's complete 180 on the drone program, or the hint of it. We're still actively engaged along the Syrian border, so there's that. The turnaround, though, from the Obama and Trump years was actually pretty remarkable. And yet, one can't help but get the feeling that this is just the beginning, because no one cared. No one called the president out on this because we're so indoctrinated in the language of the war on terror that we've normalized this unlawful activity. And we covered this in our violent states of America episode, but this is worth repeating and continually spelling out. The last congressional declaration of war was World War II. Every war, every strike, Every assassination since then has been carried out under a very shaky and extremely broad executive authority called the Authorization for Use of Military Force, or AUMF. Here's what's fascinating and also doesn't make the news, on fuckers: The House only voted to repeal two prior authorizations, one from the Cold War era in the 50s and the other that authorized action in Iraq in 1991, in June of this year. A couple of ways to look at this. Some policy observers believe that this had to happen in order to achieve the real objective of repealing the authorization following 9-11 that led to every action strike and assassination for the past 20 years, including the most recent one from Biden in Somalia. It's going to be interesting to see who actually has the political will and leverage to make this happen. What's even more interesting is Joe Biden's relationship to these broad powers. As a member of Congress, like when he first got there, Joe Biden was one of the single most vocal opponents of these specific powers. Intercepted did a great show on Biden's slow and steady turn from that guy to the vice president to the guy who murdered more people by drone than any other president so far that has had access to the technology. So Biden's been able to straddle this issue throughout his entire career. The ultimate test of how he truly feels about this executive authority to murder anyone anywhere at any time without specific war powers authority... Was always going to be when he took office. And like I said, for a while, things looked promising. But now he's done it, and no one blinked. One letter from Omar, some television coverage abroad, and scant uncritical coverage domestically. Whether you murder by drone once or a thousand times, is there a difference? This is the debate we should be having, and one of hundreds of hard questions we should be asking ourselves. Instead, It's business as usual. I guess that's why the military budget is allowed to just keep growing without anyone asking why. Because like Mama always said, power is as power does. Beware of authoritarian creep. Teamsters rock. An $800 billion a year military budget is not okay. Here ended the quickie. it's so much fun hey Anna F thank you for sending us five coffees Anna likes our intelligent no bull explanations of how the American system works as a Canadian I watch in moderate horror the shit show that has infected our neighbors yeah I I know it is uh, it's the best show on TV but like we said in the Canadian episode Anna please look away obese andy again bought us three coffees this is not his first time latest episode uses verifiable facts to show some of the reasons critical race theory has a place both within and outside of legal academia obese andy thank you for continuing to support us that is amazing stuff joey b bought us three coffees jp bought us three coffees and said really thankful for your show he's here in florida surrounded by a lot of ill-informed fascist fuckers Woo! jp doing the lord's work down in florida Keep it going. On Facebook, Nettie and Bob Knudsen reminded me that Rojo is Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, and I'm a fucking moron for continuing to say Frojo. Um, Yeah, I don't know where my head was at there. My, My bad. MG Petal called out Canada Land on the Twitters and said, Jesse, Unfucking the Republic is one of the funniest, best podcasts I have ever heard, laughed out loud several times. I hope Jesse got that message. I'm very grateful to Jesse and all the folks at Canada Land for letting us hang out on their feed for a little bit. At Brandon Tozo said, enjoys the podcast. At Wild Bob. Hey, Wild Bob, what's going on? Said, it's good to be wrong in this case about Cuomo. Unfortunate that this is how New York gets its first woman governor, but overall, a good things. I agree. Midwest Monster, what's going on there? Great episode. Thanks for the shout out in 28. And here again, you got another one. Does Agent 99 have a bird account to follow too? A bird account would be a Twitter account. 99. We got to think about that. Get you on the Twitters, independent of our feed. Oh, that could be... I think it be really dangerous given how she fucked with me on this. Uh, she was fucking with me on Facebook, on Twitter. She was fucking with me all over the place for uh, being wrong about Cuomo. So I, I don't know if I need to, you know, allow her to get even more loose. She's calling me out left and right. Man. Rhonda Keisner. I love you so much. I love you too, Rhonda Keisner. That's so nice of you. Hashtag FMF. Hashtag FRR. Hashtag MMT. Rhonda was a big MMT fan. I dig it. embusto what's up embusto okay said for all of you who have an opinion about crt critical race theory and why blm is needed then read this or listen to this either way unftr pod pulls together how we got here uh embusto thank you for calling that out and spreading the word as usual eating waste said i look forward to making my way through other episodes as a britain canada i resonate with the icky sense of different but the same shame my ex-oil patch Canadian husband loved the mention of subsidies for oil that he can retort back to anti-welfare Albertans. Good stuff. Oh, coming out west in Canada, too. And a Brit in Canada. I love it. At Cycle Horse said, I would love to hear a deep dive into the history and modern uses of gerrymandering. Ooh, hey, Cycle Horse. Yeah, I am down with that. In fact, there's a couple of procedural things related to our little republic here that I think... We may want to unpack on a single show. I'm not sure about it, but gerrymandering would be one of them. The Electoral College would be uh, another one and uh, the filibuster. I feel like those three are related enough because they're particular to the way that our republic is created here and and the way it operates, and we should maybe do those together. Anyway, thinking out loud with all the unfuckers, send me some information uh, at Horton. Seconds this and says, "Disturbing to see the local Senate officers are gerrymandered to the point where they couldn't win a statewide election. Then they go in and write legislation to take powers away from the governor who did it, i.e., Michigan." Uh, so, Cycle Horse and Cami, they're on the same tip, and uh, I, I would, I would have to agree that it's a big one. I just wonder if we we should package it with others. Now uh, for emails. Callie H. Oh, Callie gave us a really thoughtful outline of a potential LGBTQIA plus episode. Now, Callie's not the first one to make this suggestion, but hers was really well reasoned. I think there's a way to approach this in similar fashion to our recent economics of racism drop. So thank you, Callie. Uh, 99 actually said to me, man, months ago that we needed to start building a framework for how to approach this. And what I've been trying to, you know, puzzle through is how to do that through socioeconomic and economic lens. So I think this actually helps re get the ball rolling as it were. Now, Kryn, Hey, what's up Kryn? Thank you for the continuing words of encouragement. Uh, you really are the man. I appreciate it. And I'm going to get back to you soon. Hopefully as I dig out from some of the projects that are on the table. Todd L. heard that we're prepping for an immigration episode and sent us some really incredible resources. Todd, these are very helpful. So thank you for sending those along. I think that immigration is going to wind up in a series of sorts because there are a lot of angles that I keep taking to dig into the issue. And I think I want to package immigration a little bit differently as we do it. We've got the Washington Consensus We've got our exploration through the Caribbean, uh, our relationship with Puerto Rico, Haiti, certainly what we've done in through Central America. There's a lot at play here. Milton Friedman obviously comes into play with what we've done through uh, our trade agreements and uh, through opening up free markets and to be able to suppress labor in other countries for our own gain. So... All of those things build toward, uh, I think, one big immigration episode. And that's how I'm kind of thinking about this. So, Todd, thanks for those resources. Joel, ooh, Joel's a high school debate coach. And UNFTR is a fantastic resource for students to better understand economics and history. So, is it okay that I say fuck so much? Oof. Because Joel's encouraging his students to listen. Well, you know what? We got to connect with the kids. We got to speak their language. And as 99 will tell you, I really connect with the youngsters. UNFTR is my favorite podcast. I want to support it. You regularly announce that people can do so by buying coffee or buying you coffee. I can find the former on the website, but not the latter. I don't drink coffee. Joel, there is a buy us coffee button on the website, on the homepage says, if you don't drink coffee, you can still support us. That should be able to take you all the way through to be able to send a donation. Thank you in advance if you do it. And if you don't, we're still going to keep doing the podcast one way or the other. And we are eternally grateful for your support. Now Zach, D- oh Zach W is an Atlantic Canadian who is not very impressed with our information on the show, because Zach is pretty well versed in all of this stuff. But what Zach wanted to let us know is that uh, they appreciate the effort and the production and really considers us cathartic. So you know what? I've always said that if nothing else, for people who are really dug into a lot of these issues and 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 live this material as we do. Hopefully, the fact that we're all talking about it and we're gathering a community of unfuckers makes you feel a little less crazy and alone in the world. So um, I'm glad we could do that for you, Zach. Bookstore Kim, you know we love Bookstore Kim. Bookstore Kim's been reading Big Green Lies by Derek Jensen and wonders if we consider doing a show on the environmental movement. Well, there's a lot to unpack here, Bookstore Kim. First, we love you. Second, the latest IPCC report. The fact that the the western parts of the united states and canada are ablaze right now i think it's it's certainly time that we uh, hit the environment there's a show that i listen to called outrage and optimism that does a really incredible job of uh really crossing really unpacking almost every issue related to climate environmentalism that you can think of Um, I definitely, they get some pretty amazing guests on the show. They just came out with an IPCC quick take, uh, even though they're on vacation right now. Uh, but that's another one for pod love. Listen to outrage and optimism. It's a great show. So there's, yeah, Kim, there's a ton for us to do here. We'd have to obviously do it our way and, you know, maybe like immigration or the way that we approached the Chicago school, we'd have to put a number of building blocks together to, to build towards some seminal episode on, uh you know, the economics of the environment or the lack of it. So anyway, thank you for uh, bringing that resource to our attention. Now, Eric B. is from Quebec, found us by way of Canada land. Welcome, Eric. Eric did not love our parody of the Quebecois language and accent. It was definitely silly, Eric. Uh, And I'm sorry if I made any of our French Canadian friends uncomfortable. Uh, The accent was terrible, purposefully so. But the other thing that Eric didn't love was the way that we set up the clips to make it sound like we were translating uh, language into French. Uh, By the way, those clips were from Super Troopers 2. That movie is definitely a guilty pleasure of mine. The Danny DeVito scene is probably my favorite where they're talking about Danny DeVito. And so I was picking up on that and inserting it here where I thought it would be funny. If it didn't land right for all my friends in Quebec, I do apologize. David T., good evening from Olympia, Washington, Unfuckers. Cool. Damn, it's a long way from here. Unfuckers, I'd like to ask you if you've considered patents as a topic for a full show. Uh, David goes on gives some really pretty great explanations about why this would be a good unfucking topic David I can tell you that this is something that's going to take a, a while to wrap my thick skull around so um, give me some time and let me think about that I had originally thought about doing something on patents uh, when I was thinking about revisiting the Trans-Pacific Partnership but this might be a better angle to get into it thank you for doing that and so I hope you enjoyed the quickie today on fuckers subfuckers, on kanuckers and eurofuckers and and my down under fuckers Next week, we'll be back with a deep unfucking. And until then, Unfucking the Republic is produced and engineered by Manny Faces Media. A.K.A. Harold Clark of the Potomac Greeting Card Company. Or you can call me Thaddeus. Our original music is composed by Tom McGovern. The show is produced by The Great 99. UNFTR is hosted by Danny DeVito. From Always Sunny, Not Taxi. And distributed by Horse and Buggy. Leave us a review if you have a moment. You can find our essays at unftr.substack.com for free. You can support us by buying us coffee at unftr.com or buying coffee for you at unftr.com. You can read our source books at bookshop.org shop slash unftr You can do anything you set your mind to, except fly. Humans can't fly. Uh show notes. Uh-huh you can read our source books at bookshop.org slash schlop because <laughs> like mama always said black and white and brown and asian and short and tall and gay and straight